Episode 12? I think so. Okay. <clears throat> so Sajora is banished and he's sent, sent away. And um, actually Dario uh, says to her, you know, you should, you should kill him because uh, he's quite a dangerous guy. Fucking talk about cock blocking. He's just seen him sent away from court, this love rival, but he's like, you might want to consider shooting him, to be honest. Just, just top him, just get rid of him, because cause then there'll be nobody to get in the way of our love, my lady. You're drunk. Yeah. Well, you're dead. Vance Red is going. We're going to send uh, some some dummy attacks at these points of the wall. We're going to build a small fleet of ships to harry the Night's Watch on this side. Oh, at the same time, the giants on horseback go down the centre of the column towards the gate, whilst we have two other columns going through that. Then you... Excuse me? Um, build a staircase? Ah. Oh, we could build a staircase. <laughs> Hello, and welcome to episode 12 of Shark Liverall's coverage of A Storm of Swords by George R. R. Martin. I'm Matt. I'm Dave, hello. And today, this part is called Oathkeeper, and we're reading from um, Chaps of Break Daenerys. This uh, begins, Danny, Danny broke her fast under the persimmon tree, as far as a chapter about Sam, which has got a very odd beginning. <laughs> I can't remember what it is. Go now. on, render it. I did my reading of it last <laughs> week. I need you to do your impression of it. Yeah, it starts with a quote. Um, he sucks harder than mine. Well. <laughs> well, look forward to that. Um, okay. Uh, George R. R. Martin's A Storm of Swords is sold as either one or two books. If you have the two-book version, A Storm of Swords, uh, Steel and Snow, and then A Storm of Swords, Blood and Gold, like we do, you'll be on book two by now. And book two... If you're going by page numbers today, it goes from page 403 to page 453. If you've got the big single book version, just use our chapter guide. So try and find that one with Daenerys sitting under a persimmon tree. And that's what we're reading from today. That, <sighs> can I tell you, that was magnificent. Every time you do that, it's just the, the kind of the rage shimmering under this veneer of, uh, of professionalism just gets deeper and deeper. It's like watching a man wrestle with his, uh, with his worst instincts. It's wonderful. Yeah, well, at least I've only got to do that one more time yeah, now. Yeah, believe we're, it. We're coming to the end of this now. So this is this is the second to last. Um, this is the sorts, penultimate one. The penultimate. Yeah. It's gonna it's gonna be strange, isn't it? Once we've uh, once we've finished the Storm of Swords, we've been that long on Game of Thrones series. That's true because we're moving on after this. We're not going to do Game of Thrones for a little bit. Yeah, we're going to take a bit of a break from the Game of Thrones stuff. We will come back to it. We'll do a Feast for Crows eventually. Um, and I think we're going to have to buckle up for a rough ride there because it's, uh, it's seen as the, the sort of the weakest of the books. But um, we're going to have a break before then. Is, is it wrong that I'm kind of looking forward to that, though? Like, if there's, if there's a Game of Thrones <laughs> book where there's characters that I know inside out and I have the opportunity to do a bit of a night circus on it, I'm, I'm kind of looking forward to that. <laughs> we'll see. It might turn out that we actually like it much more than uh, yeah, yeah. than other people have suggested but um, and, and also I think sometimes people don't like that one because they're reading it off the back of this of A Storm of Swords and it, A Storm of Swords is so good and also you lose so many characters that you like mm. um, that I'd, I'd imagine it's quite hard to Maybe having a break would make it easier. Oh. We're getting off. We're getting off point now because right, right. we're supposed to be talking about some of those. So let's let's get into the the main part for today. And firstly, this chapter about Daenerys, and um, well, she's breaking her fast under a persimmon tree because uh, Marine is hers. She's uh, she's taken the city. How many more times do you suppose George is going to cut away from Daenerys's people taking a city? <laughs> How many more times is it going to be yeah. like end of her chapter is? They drew their swords and prepared for battle. And the next one is, having won the battle, Daenerys had her breakfast. Again, George, <laughs> again, really? Yeah, yeah. We get um, throughout this chapter, she she sort of tells the story, doesn't she, through memories of what happened. Oh, um, well, that's that's as may be. But I, ooh, yeah. ooh, I'm not certain I'm going to let him get away with that. <laughs> Um, it turns out it was a it was a, a two pronged attack that they had. Mm. They had these um, they had they broke they had these three ships which they broke down to turn into battering rams, and they assaulted the gates with them, and at the same time sent a few um, hardy fellows through the sewers um, to sneak in and, and set the slaves free. So there was a slave uprising as well from within the walls. 
Um, didn't sound like a job. I mean, we'll discuss that further a bit later on, but <laughs> the sewer job doesn't sound like one which you, many people would be putting themselves forward for. You imagine the medal they'd strike to commemorate your heroic engagement <laughs> in that one? Can you? Are we in the only situation in the world where you could actually end up polishing a turd? <laughs> yeah, that'd be fun. well, I was going to say a rat because they're called the sewer rats, aren't they? But a turd would be brilliant. Just, just, just a big know, just steaming kind of, turd, just delicately, delicately coiled, cast in gold. Yeah. Yeah. The, the order of the steaming shit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Carry on. Um, we hear a bit about do you know, Miss Endy, the uh, little scribe who mm. used to be a, a slave for, uh, I think it was in, was it, uh, which one's this one? Was, this it, one's, was it in a shy? It was, it was, I think, no, I think it was Astapor. Okay. Um, I think, she, and she became a slave because she's one of these, uh, she's a member of the peaceful people, apparently, who live on this island and, and don't don't kill anything and uh, vegetarians and really? kind of like, yeah. Um, I, yeah, I mean, so I, she kind of mentioned that, but I just the idea of there being an entire group of people like that in um, in Westeros, like, yeah. you know, how on earth do you survive? You're going to be yeah. non-violent in a place like Westeros. Well, obviously they <laughs> they, they, so they make the best they make the best slaves apparently. Oh, and you can imagine really if, if you're if you're a bastard, horrible slaver. And you're sailing along, trying to find easy pickings, and you come across an island populated entirely by pacifist vegans. <laughs> <laughs> you're gonna think you struck gold, aren't you? You are a bit, aren't you, dear oh dear? <laughs> so yeah, um, that's where she's come from, and as we laugh at it, but I think it's a comment on how you know the nicer you are in this world, the worse things end up for you normally. Um, Although being a, a horrible bastard also doesn't particularly help, um, depending on who descends upon you, because hmm. Daenerys, as a punishment for these 163 slave children that have been crucified, um, uh, to sort oh, of oh yeah, I don't know, just to, just to spite her along her route, yeah, um, that was done by the the slave masters of uh, of Marine, yeah, and she nails 163 of those to crosses as punishment. Um, it's. I don't know what you so, call yeah. that. It's not exactly wit, is it? Um, <laughs> mind you, well, she I, would call I, it I, justice. Well, exactly, and I, that is kind of interesting that in this in this chapter, her language starts to talk a lot more about justice and about what's fair and mm. what's not. Um, yeah. And I, I don't. What did you think? Is that fair or is that just equal? You know, is there a difference? Yeah. Um, it's it's difficult, isn't it? Because um, it, it depends what you want your sort of system of justice to be as well. Hmm. Um, is it is yeah. it utopian? Is it for the sort of is the point of justice for the greater good to make sure that people don't do these things again, or is it some sense of um, you know morality and uh, evening the scales in everybody's eyes? Yeah. And I think sometimes they're two different things. They're, they're not necessarily the same thing. Yeah. And I'd say from a political point of view. Um, this move, ruthless as it is, is is a is a bad one because, as we find later in the chapter, uh, it's not winning a winning a war and then be managing to sort of win the peace are often two different things as well. Yeah, yeah, that's very true, isn't it? And I think you definitely see in this chapter Daenerys sort of growing up. You know, mm, like she yeah. she kind of she can she can no longer have this like. You know, I, I live for Drogo, my sun and stars, and now I live for my dragons, or I live for... You know, she's just... She's become this queen, this mother, and it's just such a more complicated position to have. And she's discovering mm. that she can't really trust her gut as much as she would like to. I thought this was a really interesting character for all of that. Yeah, yeah. I think, I suppose, that the nailing up of the masses is it's kind of... You could draw a parallel with the the idea of capital punishment in in, in our times. You know, yeah. this idea of if someone kills someone, if someone's guilty of murder, they should be killed themselves. Mm. Would suggest that 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 seems just justice. Mm. But at the same time, you know, should the state be lowering itself to the same level as the person who's committed the crime? Yeah. And do, is that really the best way of preventing? something like that from happening again yeah. and is that the aim yeah so. and and so if you, here you've got a what 15 year old how old is she now 16 something yeah f- uh, probably 15 i think there yeah. you go you know she's she's 
she's getting a, a crash course in like sort of governance 101 mm. and um and it is a crash um you know yeah. she definitely seems to struggle under it and I, so i thought for usually usually with daenerys chapters i'm a bit like i'm in a different book and i did feel that way <laughs> but i i i was quite kind of quite happy to see a character having to face these kind of complicated questions because all the other protagonists i've got they've all got problems about their own skin and you know the most complicated thinking they get to is just stab him in the fucking nuts <laughs> <laughs> and it's you know I, yeah. I do like a little bit of complexity a little bit of thought occasionally yeah uh, this difficulty of winning the winning the piece is uh, brought home uh, to us go. in a couple of yeah a couple of examples here one is she took over um Astapor, mm. and uh, and she left a council in charge, and they've been overthrown since she left by uh, this guy who's now known as the butcher of Astapor. I think he was literally a butcher before all this, um, but he's sort of given extra credence to that name through his actions. Yeah. Um, it seems like a very bloody and uh, I mean, even from the guy who comes, this guy turns up in the city offering an alliance between the butcher and Daenerys because he says that Yunkai, the the other um <laughs> the other city that Daenerys has gone part, gone through yeah. um is raising an army against her and he's saying he'll help her yeah um and even from this emissary's um description this guy doesn't sound great and then we get another description from the other side of the butcher of Astapor and he sounds even worse yeah. so it seems that she's brought <laughs> I think the point being made is that Astapor's probably, um, well, might even be in a worse situation now than it was before she even arrived, despite her best efforts. See, it's the, you know, I forgive me for this because I am, I know I'm a geek about it, but I'm like, I work in international development, and this is exactly the experience that every single person who works in international development has sooner or later, where it's like sort of, oh, oh, are we doing any good at all? <laughs> Any good at so basically, this is Daenerys trying to be a sort of more swords and sandals version of Oxfam, and just discovering that it's not as simple as giving people freedom, is it? Hey, eh? hey, eh? yeah, you can't just kill the oppressors. Also, there's also um, within Marine in this city, uh, she's she hears that there are people. Um, basically, this guy comes over and says, "Ship, some ships have arrived, and they want to buy some slaves." And Daenerys says, well, we don't sell slaves anymore. That doesn't exist in this city anymore. Yeah. And then the guy says, well, just to let you know, there are people on the docks uh, begging to be allowed to be sold back into slavery. Yeah. Um, basically because the sort of the life they can expect as a slave, um, if they do quite well, is much better than the sort of what they're facing at the moment in the city. Yeah. And Daenerys tries to find a middle road and says, well, you know, if anyone wants to sell themselves into slavery, they can do. <laughs> yeah. um, Knock yourself it, out. <laughs> yeah, but they're not allowed to sell sort of yeah. friends and family into slavery as well. Yeah, because um, that's an interesting get, thing, isn't it? Somebody's begging because their parents are saying, give us some money. Yeah, you know exactly, yeah. So, I mean, on the face of it, that seems like a good solution. Although, when, the more you think about it, the the sort of... I don't know, the less good that seems because you wonder how it's policed and how do you know who genuinely wants to be sold and who doesn't. And yeah. I don't know. I think you, you can see the point of view here, but you either you either abolish it or you don't, don't you? Yeah, really? no, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Although, so it's interesting here that, like, Daenerys' thing is sort of, like, it's it's uh, it's about liberty, but it's about the liberty to do whatever you want rather than mm. no you must be free and you must not enter into a contract with anybody else you know that sort of thing um yeah you know kind yeah. of the you know the freedom to be at the mercy of your own impulses and your own capacity to be deceived mm. and i just think that's quite like that's quite interesting because it doesn't necessarily have to go that way like you know she could have chosen mm. something different but to get herself out of a bit of a bit of a governance headache she's just like oh fine do whatever you want screw it yeah it's part of the it's an example of just how hard it is to bring in if you want to do something as monumental as that um in terms of the the culture and the way things are done in this part of the world mm. as abolish like one of the main the the key pillars of how things how things are done mm. you, you not only have you got to do it yourself you're swimming against the tide with the the, the fact that everyone else around you um is still does that and it, what everybody's used to is that so how do you sort of, imp it's almost like you're imposing 
um, something for that you believe is for the own, people's own good, but you know nobody seems to really want it, or some a lot of people don't really want it. Yeah. Uh, she's got another difficult decision to make with um, her turn cloak knights. So Sir Jorah and Barristan. Um, she the punished them lads. by. <laughs> yeah. What a pair of morons these two are, honestly. <laughs> she sent them into the sewers. They were they were heading the um um and <laughs> I, as I was reading this, I was thinking, well, you know, it sounds horrible that there's there's there's, there's shit up to your thighs or up to your neck in some places, um, but you know you're going to get eternal glory for it, and you know you're one of a, a privileged few to get through. As long as you hold your nose, it's not too bad. And then I read. One of the uh, members of the party was dragged away screaming by a great pale lizard to be devoured in the darkness. I mean, I think we may have another top five worst ways to go in Westeros. Though. Actually, that's true. Yeah, being dragged by a massive lizard into a pool of shit to either drown or be eaten or be eaten whilst drowning. Like, mm. <laughs> oh, it's horrible. <laughs> yeah. Um, everybody else made it through, though, and oh, were that's right. instrumentally. Them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, every cloud. <laughs> uh, but uh, so they 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 had this massive uprising, and now she's got to decide what to do with these two guys. And I think, I mean, in the end, she pardons Sir Barristan mm. and uh, allows him to stay with her, and she banishes Jorah. Mm. And I think at the start. She's planning to do the opposite because yeah. um, she definitely has in mind to keep hold of Sajora if he shows enough remorse, but he just doesn't, does he? Or if he does, he does too late. Oh, I don't think he does. I think he's like, I think he can't bring himself to be contrite or be like kind of look weak in front mm. of this woman that he loves. And I think, you know, that's got to do with what his wife was like before. He loved her deeply, but, you know, his weakness was his home. She hated it and, you know, ended up running off with somebody else. And so I think he just can't bring himself here to admit that he did something wrong because that would be to be weak. Mm. And so instead he kind of, I mean, it's just, hang on, I'm going to try and find it actually because it's just the least politic response you could possibly imagine to mm. uh, to the kind of thing. that Because he's, he's been accused of something dead serious, treason basically. Like yeah. enabling one of her enemies to track her down almost kill her and kill her child, right? Hmm. Like, and she puts this to him. I will admit, you helped me win this city. Sir Jorah's mouth tightened. We won you this city. We sewer rats. Not, yeah, you're right. I'm going to let you keep talking so that continues to play in my (laughs) favour. I'm going to pick up the one point in my favour and throw it in your face. (laughs) Like, what fucking idiot. Yeah. Um, it's interesting. It's interesting because neither of them really grovel, do they? I mean, yeah. Barristan says, "I'm sorry, um, you know, but this is why I did what I did." Mm. And he also goes on to say, "I'm going to have to tell you some hard truths about your granddad." Oh, I love that he does this, by the way. I love this because yeah. I hadn't realised that she's the only person in Westeros who doesn't know that her her claim to the throne <laughs> rests on this proper psychopath who cooked people in their own armour. And and yeah. he, he just lays down the law. I come to like Barristan more and more, actually, in this chapter. Yeah, yeah. And it's interesting that um, that sort of honesty is is pretty much what pricks Daenerys' interest. More than angriness, she thinks, you know, this guy knows a lot about my where I came from, even more so than Sejora. Yeah. And if I send him away, I won't have anybody to tell me these things. I'll never know, yeah. Hmm. Yeah. Whereas Sejora is sort of still sullenly saying that, you know, yeah, I did some something wrong, but it isn't as bad as it seems. Mm. And that just doesn't play, does it? And she, she just doesn't feel she can keep hold of him. Yeah. Yeah, 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 exactly that. And he is just, he's not sorry for what he does. Mm. You know what I mean? He just sort of... So Sejora is banished and he's sent, sent away. And um, actually Dario uh, says to her, you know, you should... You should kill him because uh, he's quite a dangerous guy. Fucking um, talk about cock blocking. He's just seen him sent away from court, this love <laughs> rival. But he's like, you might want to consider shooting him, to be honest. Just, just top him. Just get rid of him because cause then there'll be nobody yeah. to get in the way of our love, my lady. <laughs> yeah. So, but, uh, so Joey leaves, Barristan stays, and uh, 
she, he offers to tell her some history in the end, and she says another time mm. after all that because um, she's in t- she's too upset at the moment. Yeah, yeah. Um, this chapter ends with she has a sleepless night, yeah, and she goes out to the balcony, has a look over the city, and then says to Miss Ende that um, she has come to a decision which involves not going to Westeros for the time being. She's going to stay here and rule for a bit. Um, what was your response to that? Um, I had a very, very conflicted response to this. Because on the one hand, it sort of makes sense for her because I haven't really understood why she needs to keep walking around this this landscape. But as a reader, I'm like, for fuck's sake, George. Have you, honestly, <laughs> this is the fourth volume of this series that I've read where I have been caring about this character for reasons that still aren't clear to me. And presumably she's going to come and be part of a certain storyline, right? I mean, she's going to come and she's going to have something to do with the rest of the book, right? Otherwise, why not just publish it as like a novella or something? But here she is mm. at the at the end of this book, and I think this is the last chapter we have with her, settling mm. down, just having a bit of a, still a thousand miles away from anybody else that we know or any other plot that we give a shit about, just going to put her feet up for a bit. I tell you, if at the start of the next book, we aren't six months in the future and she's got a bit bored... I'm going to be mad. Because <laughs> the one thing worse than 95 ways to go for a walk in Essos is 95 ways to settle down and not travel very far in Essos. <laughs> oh, what did you think? Yeah. Well, I thought that it, it, the one saving grace of it is that um, we've just had a glimpse of this, how she might find it harder to sort of to rule than to conquer. Mm. And getting into that kind of theme is, is interesting. Um, so I wouldn't mind seeing a bit more of that. But because, you're right, because we've been working towards this point of her invading Westeros for so long, I don't know, I, this whole thing where oh, if I can't if I can't rule a single kingdom, how can I rule seven? I need to have a practice here. Um, yeah. I don't know, I, th- I thought you, they need, she needed a better reason than that. And actually the series does a slightly better job because um, I think Barristan and Jorah, who are still with her, mm. uh, have this argument over how how loyal people are going to be to her when she lands yeah. and she maybe the time isn't quite right just yet but the thing is <laughs> if it's not right now when's it going to be right for her to invade because that's true um you know the, the the kingdom's still in turmoil at the moment and i suppose and and it looks like the lannisters are just getting hold of it yeah and if that's the case then then they're going to bed better in. strike now or never yeah exactly yeah. like if if the lannisters get their teeth into this whole situation then you know game over like they're going to be the ruling mm. dynasty for centuries, mm. whereas, yeah, like now's the time. But then again, it's not as if she's close by, is it? <laughs> you know, no, I suppose not. Um, so, I don't know. I would want. I would have wanted this book to end with her sailing for Westeros. Clearly, mm. that's not the way it's going to go. George, nope. Uh, we need to talk. <laughs> I, su- I suppose, from a story perspective, um, if she did go to Westeros that does um, zoom in yeah. the story a bit yeah. and, and you lose a bit of that scope You then the story is entirely about Westeros yeah, isn't I suppose, it but what's the virtue of having the story be about Essos I mean the only person who's ever given mm. us a connection to that part of the world is Daenerys there's no other protagonists over there there's no other people that we're really invested mm. in over there Sejora mm. a bit I suppose but he's from Westeros so mm. I don't really know what the point would be of having a big having a big scope for its own sake yeah I don't know. Well, we shall see. Well, well, we shall see. Although, do you know what? I've, I've just, just had a little brainwave. It's just occurred to me mm. what George might be doing here. And I'm going to call it. I'm going to make it very clear. I haven't read further <laughs> than this. I haven't seen the TV series even up to this point. This is a guess, right? Mm. But if I'm right, I'm going to moonwalk for a week. <laughs> right? Let me Let me pitch an idea at you. We've got okay, this whole I'll thing. I'll arrange my face in an in a, in a <laughs> yeah, air yeah. of complete neutrality. <laughs> Carefully lock the door to Matt's spoiler full of bunkers. Bunker full of spoilers. Bunker full of spoiler full of bunkers. <laughs> it's the worth of boast worlds, Matthew. <laughs> um, Go on. Right. There's this big question, isn't there? So if, 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 if the story we're being told now is cold, you know, like these, the, the kind of the others coming from the north... And uh, the Red God, so you've got Ice versus Fire. I think that makes sense with the name of the series. Um, hmm. uh, and what you've got is you've got the cold, the, the others 
coming from the north and that's the cold right that's happening and then on the other hand uh you've got the red god and um and presume and ostensibly stannis is his like is his his representative he's like his prophet born again right hmm. and um he's not a very fiery character is he stannis like he's just there's just something about that whole role that doesn't sit very well on him but hmm. i notice daenerys right cannot be hurt by fire and is the mother of dragons she's a much more kind of i reckon she's going to she's going to kind of become the sort of force of fire not the red god at all hmm. but like this kind of this she's going to turn up in westeros and you know she's going to be the fire and the ice is going to come from the north possibly with cold hands possibly hmm just mm. putting that out there. And this is where you make a little non-committal noise. Interesting theory. <laughs> Thank you for indulging me in that. Let's move on. Let's move on to Jamie Lannister. Um, he is just thinking back to how he has been trying to train with his uh, wrong hand, mm. his left hand, and um, his crap. He's, he got beaten. He got beaten bloody by um, his old his old friend Sir Adam Maraband, mm. and uh, he's I don't know. He's he's sort of dreading ever fighting anyone again. Really, isn't he? Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, which is very strange for for him, and it's the fact that he has to think about every move he does. This used to be instinct, and now he's got to sort of he's got to think about everything. And in that time, obviously, the split second it takes to do that mm. means that. Uh, He's much more, much less effective a fighter. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, he's guarding the king, as the uh, as, as this little little King Tommen, who's uh, signing all these various decrees, um, disinheriting enemies and promoting his friends and stuff. Yeah. He's he's oblivious to the politics of it because he's just a little boy. Mm-hmm. Um, in fact, he uh, <laughs> was this bit. He. Uh, it says is it basically it's a Kevin Lannister standing over Tom and the King, yeah. and the Kevin's like, like putting papers in front of him saying, you know, this is making Bruce Bolton look warden of the North, and uh, this yeah. is disinheriting this Lord. He doesn't like it, yeah. and uh, and he's going okay and like signing his name in childish letters, yeah. and then at the end it says uh, he says, um, <laughs> uh, can I seal uh, Tom and look back to Sir Kevin? Can I see seal, seal them now, Great Uncle? Pressing his royal seal into the hot wax was his favourite part of being king so far. <laughs> it's like a children's story. <laughs> it's it's like it's quite pleasingly kind of innocent, isn't it, compared to all the other seriously raw crap that's been pulled in the name of the kingship and now it's fallen on this kid who's like kind of Yeah, the wax is quite nice. Don't understand the rest of it though. <laughs> I just yeah, that's really lovely. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and it's so strange that's that he's sort of at the middle of this sort of Lannister a very really ruthless Lannister dynasty. Lannister so. power machine, and here he is going. Yeah. I like it. <laughs> <laughs> it's weird that in the book, Tommen's like a really little, bo- like a little boy, mm. and in the TV series, he's a teenager. So, yeah, um, you don't get true. this sort of sense of innocence quite so much. Yeah, yeah. You, with Tommen in the books, you get like I got a deep sense of foreboding. I was like, this shit's mm. gonna go badly. Like, because he was like innocent enough that he could go well, but his all of his all of his advisors are just hateful mm. people. So yeah. it's not going to go well for him. Whereas here, it was just a bit like watching a kid play with a toy set. Yeah. I also get the sense of foreboding with the TV series just simply because the guy who plays him is the same actor who played um, a Lannister in season two um, as a teenager who got stabbed to death. Is he really? So like, yeah. <laughs> if you watch, if you watch the, if you watch season two, yeah. do you remember when Karstark kills the, the Lannister Cousins, yeah, yeah. Um, he's, he's one, one of them. them, and then they were like, yeah. "Oh, well, he's got the right look, and he's about the right size, blonde hair, actor. Yeah. Should we cast?" Nah, screw it. Yeah, <laughs> it's really weird. But obviously, they must. Obviously, it's quite hard to find good actors, I suppose, at that age, and, suppose, and they were very yeah. impressed with him the first time round, so they resurrected him. Um, it was all a dream, <laughs> Matt. It was all a dream. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, Jamie goes for a walk. Uh, he bumps into Steelshanks Walton, who's this uh, one of the bastard, one of Bruce Bolton's uh, lieutenants, mm. and he's about to es- he escorted Jamie to King's Landing, and now he's about to take Arya Stark north. 
apparently Arya's here. Um, obviously, she's not, because um, we know she's not. Yeah. So it's somebody impersonating her. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, this, again, is like... I, I George got some brownie points with me for this, because, like, with, <laughs> you know, not having zombie Renly and having somebody in Renly's armour, again, mm. it's like, this isn't zombie Arya. Oh, no. You know, or it's not she's been stolen away by some miracle of plot dynamics, but it's no, it's just somebody who looks a bit like her sort of thing. Yeah, yeah. Another element of uh, Tywin's big plot. Uh, we hear that the mountain, uh, as we heard in the last, uh, the last part, he had that duel with uh, Oberyn Martell. He killed uh. Oberyn, but um, he is... It looks like he he was poisoned. Oberyn Martell is well known for poisoning his spears and things like that. Mm-hmm. And it looks like he's done it here because the the mountain's dying in agony yeah. and slowly. Yeah. Good. Uh, we, I, it's it's yeah. hard to get worked up about that, isn't it? Is it mountain dying? Is he yeah. wonderful? Uh, J- Jamie returns to the White Tower uh, where the King's Guard live to meet Cersei, who's snuck into his room. Uh as part of this conversation, we hear uh, a bit more plot to... I mean, you you were a bit uncomfortable with the idea of Joffrey trying to kill Bran. I was, yeah. Uh, and we get a reason for it here. It's very much along the lines of uh, sort of Henry II, who will rid me of this turbulent priest. Oh, and that yeah. Robert, Robert was drunk and uh, with Cersei and saying that the best thing for, for Bran would be to for him to die yeah. and Joffrey overheard that and decided to take matters into his own hands aged whatever he was at the time 12 <laughs> yeah so to try and get a, a bit of a bit of a pat on the head from from dad who never really liked him yeah. I suppose yeah, it's, because it's, it's got, it's got an element like of yeah it's got an element of uh of feasibility to that, I think it has a little bit. It all still rings a little bit false to me, but I'm willing to go along with it. Um, mm. uh, you know, because it's not as if his dad's saying I want him dead. He's just sort of mm. going, oh well, you know, crippling's not very nice. Maybe it'd be better for him if he'd have died. And it mm. takes quite a mind to go. Oh, I think I'll kill him. That sounded like Dad saying he really wanted him dead. <laughs> his, his best mate's son. <laughs> yeah, reckon I'll kill him. Yeah. What? Yeah. Well, mm. uh, Cersei here tries to influence Jaime. Um, she wants him to uh, leave the King's Guard, and uh, very. She basically is trying to get him to do whatever it takes to stop her getting married again. Mm. Um, Jaime's idea is a little bit more dramatic. He wants to uh, to just run away with Cersei, and she says that's ridiculous. Yeah. Um, in the end, um, she tries to she, she she puts the moves on Jamie, and he knocks her back, mm. and she's rejected, and she's she's obviously furious at this uh, this rejection. Yeah. But he thinks it's not the right place in the in the tower of the the king uh, the, in the White Tower. A, in this an argument great, which uh, would carry a lot more weight if he hadn't just had sex with her next to their their bastard yeah. son's dead body in <laughs> a sept. Yeah, <laughs> I think this this uh, this act of action of Cersei suggests as well. It gives extra credence to the idea that she wasn't raped yeah. before yeah, yeah, in the yeah. book. Well, in the book, she clearly wasn't. In the TV series, geez, she clearly was. Yeah. Um, I, although, I, they, although they, they, they <laughs> apparently, say not. Apparently, she wasn't. <laughs> It's, oh, God, what a mess that is oh, in the series. But the thing, I mean, that's got the potential to properly derail the whole thing. I mean, we're in we're in the sort of territory here where they'd be well advised to go back and pull a pull a George Lucas and re, reshoot it and claim that it was always that way. Do you know what I mean? Because mm. the way it is at yeah. the moment, it's very clearly a rape. I mean, we've done mm. this before, right? But it's just, it's yeah, still, yeah, yeah there, there's no way you can slice it where that's not what it is. Yeah. Uh, Jamie has another visitor later on, and this is Brienne. And he he gives Brienne his sword, which Tywin has just given him as a gift. It's this sword of a, uh, which was made from melting down Ned's old sword, ice. So it's a Valyrian steel mm-hmm. sword, mm-hmm. the thing that Tywin Lannister has been desperate to have in his family for, you know, for ages. Yeah, since since he since he was old enough to hold a sword, and uh, Jamie's just given it away to Brienne, who names it Oathkeeper. Oh, Which is a nice name. Oh, that's nice, isn't it? 
This is as close yeah. as it, this is sort of a weird romance between these two creatures of, sh- of chivalry and chivalrouslessness. Yeah, and it's it's interesting that there is these sort of little flickers of that here, a little bit more overtly. So Jamie notices how startling Brienne's eyes are, and Brienne says that she thinks that Jamie looks. You know that the white cloak suits him and things like that. Mm. And there is this. There's a there's a funny weird kind of romance here, isn't there? Yes, that's true. Or the, the beginnings of one possibly. But um, Brienne's sent on away uh, to go and track down Sansa. Mm. Um, and if I is still alive, I am. Uh, but not. You know, Jamie says, "Don't bring him back here. Get him back home." So uh, wow, it's him trying to put things right, isn't it? And this chapter ends with him sort of flicking through the white book and uh, adding sort of the next bit of his story to it and thinking that, you know, no matter what's happened in the past, it's up to him how he sort of, how he make, how, he, how the next sort of bit of his story goes. And it's just, a, I don't know, this sudden awareness of the fact that he can choose to be whoever he wants to be now. Yeah. Yeah. And And I think, I mean, I don't know... I don't really know which way to kind of slice this because it's quite... On the one hand, he's doing something that's quite noble, really. He's just saying, you know, get those girls back home. Um, Mm. But um, I also think he's he's not really doing that because he wants wants to kind of do something good for itself. I think it's because he sits there... Like, what's going through his head in this conversation with Brienne is what he writes down afterwards. And what he writes down of his recent history is just a catalogue of failure. You know, mm. defeated in the Whispering Wood by young, the young wolf Rob Stark, held captive, ransomed for a promise unfulfilled, captured again, maimed at the word of Vargo Hope, loses his sword hand, returned safely to King's mm. Landing by a woman. Like he just, you know, he's he's clearly he he's clearly looking, having a look at his life and going, I suck, and kind of <laughs> out of that, deciding to do something about it, which is something you could never imagine Jamie Lannister doing two books ago. You know? That's a good point, yeah. There's some real development there, isn't yeah, there? Yeah, 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 absolutely. Next up is John. John, um, it's all very melancholy as we start this chapter. There's <laughs> a really murky, gloomy day breaking as John's on his way out of uh, beyond the wall um, on an assassination mission. Uh, Janos Slint and uh, Sir Alistair Thorne have outdone themselves once again in their massive... Toolishness. Twattery. <laughs> Yeah, uh, where the the it seems you're right as you said before in the last part about this. Despite the fact that the sort of the the Night's Watch are facing the biggest crisis, in, possibly in their history, um, Janos Slint and Alistair Thorne, what will pass for commanders there at the moment, seem to have their entire will just bent on upsetting one teenage boy and tormenting him as much as possible. And this is, is another about? element of it. Yeah. Yeah, they're just saying, yeah, so uh, John, you're going to have to go and do the uh, negotiating with Mans Raider and try and kill him if you can. Yeah. And Cracking plan. There's no, there's no good reason for it. So their whole thing, no. their whole thing is like, we are in power, so we're going to dick all over this, like... Why? (laughs) Why? Oh, who can say? Who can say? You useless bunch of tools. Yeah. It's unbelievable, isn't it? Yeah. So so John turns up. He meets somebody in no man's land. It turns out it's Tormund. Good old Tormund Giantsbane, who is, I don't know, for me, my favourite wildling. What about you? Yeah, because he slips right back into banter here. Like he's he's, yeah. he's not everybody else is kind of like honor you failed you went you left you're awful and he's just like all right soppy bollocks or whatever it is that he says but he's just sort of like he's just sort of like well this is a bit politically awkward isn't it yep yep still you're all right yeah yeah, yeah I'm all right and um, yeah. and he actually um, I can't remember if it's in this chapter or somewhere else where John says that um, uh, this guy would make a great friend and a terrible enemy. And I, I just kind of like coming across mm. characters like this, um, where yeah. yeah, I just I really like their their banter because it was straight back into banter, and then you've still got this really tense situation surrounding it. Yeah, there's definitely an element here um, of respect, respecting your enemy. Uh, you know, Tolman says you, you gave you've given us a really tough fight, and they they end up drinking to the memory of both. 
uh, Mag the Mighty, that giant, mm. and Donald Noy, who who killed him. Yeah. And there is, it's, there's a bit of the sort of, I don't know, uh, football in no man's land feel to this, isn't there? Yeah. Uh, Actually, that's true, yeah, yeah. So John meets with with Mance Raider. Obviously, Mance Raider isn't exactly pleased to see him, but he never he always really suspected John, so he's not really surprised at how things have turned out. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he does kind of. He's not even really angry. He's just sort of like, "Traitor, are you? I'm amazed." <laughs> <laughs> it's interesting that this Varmia Sixskins, this guy who can get into other animals, he. Mm. It turns out now has taken over that eagle from Oral. Remember, Oral was one of the skin changers who John killed him, and he ended up in body, sort of inside the body of his eagle. Mm. And now Varmir Sixskins has sort of taken over that eagle. And he says that he's the little part of Oral that remains is now part of Varmir as well. It's just a weird dynamic. Yeah. Um, but there's this offer from Mance Raider. He shows John. He says, "Look, I've uncovered this." super weapon, the Horn of Winter, which is basically a massive horn that if you blow it, legend says the wall's going to collapse. Mm. And he says, I don't want to do it because, sure, if I blow it, the wall will collapse. Me and my wildlings can go through, but then the others can follow us relatively easily. So can you let us through the wall, please, so we don't have to do <clears throat> mutually assured destruction, please? Yeah, yeah. And, um, and John's thinking, well, it seems like a good plan, but... Um, they're not going to buy it, especially not the two who are in charge at the moment. Yeah. There's also an element of, do you really want 40,000 wildlings knocking about um, raiding your towns and cities south of the wall? Yeah. But desperate times call for desperate measures, I suppose. Yeah, you do really feel that here, don't you? Where, like, John's quite reasonably like, listen, the reason we built the wall might have been the others, but it was also you guys. So are you going to play nice? And he's like, no, of course we're not. We're free folk. We'll be, you'll go wherever we want. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he doesn't even give him that. Yeah, yeah, he's right. He doesn't even <laughs> tell a lie, which, you know, is, is honourable in itself. But, yeah. you know, it's a bit... You can, <laughs> I don't know. I'm not you even, can almost hit fit... Karen, go on, sorry. Karen. So you can almost feel John saying, no, give me something to work with here yeah. when I, when I yeah. bring back these terms. <laughs> Do you know what, though? Do you know what I would have done if I was them? I would have... He's got this massive army... Why does he not just build a ladder? Like, just build some massive wooden staircase, have them walk all over the wall. He doesn't have to do. He doesn't have to go. He doesn't have to have a battle with the Night's Watch. Doesn't have to. Doesn't have to do anything. Just sort of, you know, swan around. What? Build an eight hundred foot staircase? Well, no, because in some points it's it's less than that, isn't it? Because that's where they try yeah. and climb over before, like where the where the hill comes up and the wall just carries on at the same height. So there's less wall and more hill. Hmm. Like I don't know. You know, build a staircase. Put some effort into it. Get, get your black and decker out. <laughs> if only you'd been there. If only I, you could I, I would have made a superb wildman of the north, wouldn't I? Really? I mean, listen to me. <laughs> Mance Raider is going. We're going to send uh, some some dummy attacks at these points of the wall. We're going to build a small fleet of ships to 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 harry harry the harry the uh, harry the knights watch on this side. Oh, at the same time, the the mammoths, the giants on horseback, go down the centre of the column towards the gate. Whilst we have two other columns going to that. Then you, excuse me, um, build a staircase. <laughs> oh, or we could build a staircase. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but you need to know your audience, don't you? And that audience is absolutely not going to go for home improvement over slaughter and battle, are they? <laughs> oh, yeah, I think he's yeah, right. Yeah, exactly. let's build a staircase. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because who wants to fight? I don't like fighting. You don't like fighting. We're all basically people of peace. <laughs> yeah. Uh, John's pushed to the. John's thinking now, well, okay, it's a deal which is never going to happen. If I go back to the wall without killing Mance Raider, um, I'm going to get imprisoned and killed for being a turncloak. What can I do? He's even looking at the Horn of Winter thinking, will I be able to smash it up before anyone kills me? Mm. Which he almost certainly won't be able to. And then all hell breaks loose because Stannis arrives <laughs> with an army <laughs> and absolutely routes the, uh, the wildlings. Just in case you didn't get that, Stannis, who we last saw on Dragonstone, um, has turned up with an army. Yep. Dave, what did you make of it? It's, you can tell we're getting towards the end of a book, can't you? Like, he's he's all very well <laughs> meandering all over the place, but he's got some big plot moments that he wants to have happen before the end of the book. 
and this is definitely one of them. First of all, Stannis gets up off his ass for the first time in two books, does something other than hang around <laughs> with extremely questionable advisors and picking on his mates in this kind of dingy <laughs> rock claiming to be a king. Gets above his ass, and in fairness, like he's absolutely unstoppable. Like they just they sweep yeah. through the wildlings here like nobody's business, and you do have that real sense of like the wildlings are very 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 intimidating, but only when they're fighting on their own ground and on their own terms, and you know when they're faced with kind of organised troops, they're nowhere. Yeah, so I'll be honest with you, I was quite happy about this because I felt all right, something's happened. Shaking it up a little mm. bit. Come on, you know? Yeah. Um, it's a great battle. Yeah, oh, it's a great sort of macro battle, isn't oh, it, as man. well? I don't know if... I, this is another one of those moments. I don't know if this was the same for you, where I could just see the camera zooming out and I could see the fight happening in all the different yeah. parts of it. It was like, wow. Yeah. yeah. And it's this moment as well where um, Vami has gone into this eagle to do a bit of recon, and the he's sort of... He's up there saying about this is this is what's happening and then the eagle bursts into flames and he starts screaming that was such a powerful bit of writing like mm. I could just like I just it was one of those bits where I usually read quite quickly but I just had to go back up to the top of the page and read it again I was like <laughs> like because you can for some reason I just had a very visceral sense of what was happening to him and why in that mm. in that kind of moment and how that was all shaking out yeah so it's an absolute rout. It's a hammering. An absolute it? rout. And you have you have Hamid Dogshead charging into battle, and you've got, you got Mance Raider surrounded by enemies and eventually overwhelmed. Tormund and his sons are in another flank. Apparently at the end, there's only the giants remaining, and they're surrounded as well. Yeah. You just feel that this is this is an absolutely um, hammer blow, isn't it? This is, a, yeah. this is it for the wildlings. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they're done. They really are absolutely done. Okay. Final chapter for today. Arya. And the big, the big moments keep coming because this is another one. Mm. The uh, Arya and the Hound approach this inn. They enter, and it turns out there are a couple of old friends there: Polliver and the Tickler, and another little, another squire oh, ho, ho. who Arya last met when they were torturing villagers when she was captured by the Mountain uh, way back in Clash of Kings. Mm. And the Hound sits down, gets himself a massive drink. Here's a bit of news, and then uh, it descends. They basically ask him to join them, yeah. and he refuses. And we're into another sword fight. And I love how this sword fight begins. Yeah. Sort of like the tickler says, "So uh, you're gonna you're gonna join up with us?" The hound goes, "Nah, fuck that." <laughs> and then he and then the tickler sort of reaches, as it lies if he's scratching his neck, and the hound sees it and he's up on his feet straight away as the tickler like throws this knife at him. Yeah. And then we're into a massive bar fight. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just love that, like, because it's the classic nonchalant move, isn't it? The sort of like something else is going on. <laughs> yeah. Just gonna yawn. Ding. Oh, <laughs> 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 yeah. Yeah. Um, I tell you what, actually, that really is, reminds me of. Sorry, is, do you know Space? No one. Space, uh, yeah, the TV yeah, series yeah. with the guys from Shaun of the Dead, <laughs> and there's a scene the gun in battle that where there's like they have a, they have a totally mimed gun battle. Where it's this idea is this link between male psyches and you just, you know, start doing it and everybody will just kind of get into it. Um, and, and it's exactly that, only with real swords. <laughs> I just love yeah. it. It's just like kind of everything else is going on. Sword fight! <laughs> yeah. Well, when this starts, once hounds sort of, once the hounds survived the element of surprise attack, you think he's going to be able to take these two guys fairly comfortably from what we've seen. But... You realise fairly quickly that he's he's pretty drunk and he's slow and he's not steady on his feet. And Arya sees this and thinks this could turn out badly, really badly. And and it starts going that way, doesn't it? He he gets a couple. I think he gets a cut to his thigh and a cut to his uh his shoulder or near his neck. And Arya needs to try and step in. And boy, does she! No kidding. So she yeah. So she she kills the uh, the squire. Who, who sort of comes over and tries to try, tries to grab her and she kills him pretty quickly. Can, oh, well, she stabs him and he slowly starts to die and then she finishes him off later. I've got to tell you, um, I, I really uh-huh. loved the um, the squire bit in this because he's just so rubbish. Like, before, he, before <laughs> the fight even starts and there's all this tension in the room and there's all this, like, oh, this is a bit weird. And... Yeah. Uh, <laughs> And then, um, and he just kind of, everybody else is kind of being like kind of stonily polite. 
Um, and then he just goes, is this the lost puppy Segrega spoke of? The one who piddled in the rushes and ran off? <laughs> <laughs> Tickler just goes, don't, yeah. don't. <laughs> and the squire's just like, no, nah, because he said his brother tucked his tail between his legs when the battle got too warm at King's Landing. <laughs> and he's just got like four times the size of him and he just doesn't, hasn't understood the difference between banter and what's likely to get you punched in the face or worse. Yeah. Classic little brother shit. Yeah, so I mean, he comes to a sorry end, and also Aya uh, uh, jumps the ticket. I mean, before that, the Hound does a fantastic, super special move on uh, on Poliver. It's almost like it's a quip, isn't it? Poliver says, as he's sort of the Hound's trapped in a corner. They say, "Come with us." Um, you know, if you drop your sword, and we'll take you to the mountain, um, take you to your brother. And the Hound knows that if that happens, he's done for. Yeah. So he refuses, and they say. Polyra says we're going to kill you anyway because you're drunk and he says well you're dead <laughs> and he kicks his table at him <laughs> leaps over it and basically takes the poor guy's head off oh man and this, this, this that's like late 80s action movie bad isn't it kind of <laughs> you're drunk yeah well you're dead <laughs> like it's just it's not cool at all it needs to be delivered by somebody like Sylvester Stallone to be even halfway to be incredible <laughs> dramatic yeah I don't think there's any there's any uh, surprise that in the series they didn't go for that line <laughs> um, so. yeah because you've got a, a room full of professional script writers and they're like look George I mean it's your book and everything yeah. right and fair enough and I respect that but come on yeah well yeah. you're dead <laughs> The the actual the the dialogue. If you haven't seen it, I urge you to in the series in this scene is fantastic. Actually, that's true. Um, have, you, have you seen the bit of that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I've seen. This is the last episode. Oh, I've seen so, so good. Far. Yeah, and he's sitting eating chickens. <laughs> and um, <laughs> it's just I've, I've, if you haven't seen it, go you go and see it. It's really good. I think I'm not sure what episode it is. I mean, it's quite early. Maybe episode four. Episode of four. The I think, recent yeah. Game of Thrones series. Yeah. 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 Series four. Anyway, that's by the by. The, so the battle ends, and uh, yeah, Aya jumps the tickler and uh, stabs him a number of times, shouting at him the things that he used to say as he was torturing the villagers. So is the goat? She's like, is the goat in the village? Stab. Where, where's Lord Beric? Stab. Um, which is there's a real there's a savage sense of justice to it, yeah. but there's also I don't know. It feels like this is the chapter where Aya really snaps and uh, she becomes just a killer yeah. because she she does this. And then she goes back to finish off the uh, the squire as well, who's begging for mercy. And uh, yeah, yeah. What did you make of it? It's um, yeah. You're right. I mean, this is where this is where Arya's creepy Children of the Corn vibe reaches its kind of highest expression, I think. And mm. um, and it's it's quite troubling. And I kind of wonder what she's gonna how she's going to continue to develop after this. Because um, she doesn't blink. You know, mm. she, she's been well, and she's been rehearsing her hatred every night for a year, it seems, towards these characters. But then when, it, when she's presented with it, you know, there's no gap between fantasy and reality. She's just like, yeah, you're dead. Yeah. And also, she... It's interesting, the difference here, the, the squire's begging for mercy and she kills him. Mm. And then... A few pages on, the hound's wounds turn, uh, well, one of them turns uh, bad, mm. septic, and he, she pours boiling wine on them for him, which he asks for, which is horrific enough, yeah. but it doesn't do any good. And he ends up sitting under a tree, fevered, um, asking for her to kit to finish him off. He, she, she basically gets her sword needle, which is recovered from the tickler, and... Uh, goes over to him to kill him he he realizes what she's about to do and says yeah do it and she decides not to and she decides to leave him to die because she, he doesn't deserve the gift of mercy um which is strange because it feels like throughout the rest of this chapter that they're really getting quite a lot closer these two characters and that maybe there is a sort of a, a surrogate father daughter thing going on here yeah and that's just blown out of the water at the end isn't it absolutely yeah yeah and um, and the thing is that you can't say the hound doesn't deserve it, but you might have quite hoped that he didn't experience it. Mm. You know, like 
because because yeah. after all, you know, they have been. You know, it's the the original odd couple kind of stuff. Yeah. <laughs> um, but um, but you know, she doesn't she doesn't blink. She's just you know, I'm off later. And it's interesting with the hound. But um, he he gives this confession at the end as well, doesn't he? Saying, yeah. "Yeah, I did kill you. I did kill your friend," and I laughed about it afterwards. And but he's not saying it in the way the mountain did when he said to Oberyn, "You know, I killed her, and I, I, I was pleased about it." Yeah. He's he's almost a he's almost ashamed, isn't he? The hound as he's saying it because he's 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 sobbing as he says it. Yeah. And um and he says that you know I've done these all these terrible things and yeah. But I don't know. Arya just, like just doesn't care. Arya's like, yeah, you have. No. Bye. Yeah. You know, there's no sense of there's no sense that contrition can change something for for Arya. Um, yeah. Which is quite a. I mean, it's quite common, but it's quite a bleak view of the world and that sort of thing. You know. Mm. Um, yeah. Do you think this is it? I think the hound's dead. Because he's, he's um, I don't see a way of him getting out of it. That's true. Uh, I mean, he might get spotted by somebody who thinks he still works for Joffrey or, or the, you know, or for the Lannisters, and be like, "Oh yeah, yeah, we'll look after him. He'll be good for it." Um, mm. But so, never say never. But it would be quite surprising. Yeah, um, I'm not sure if he does survive. If it's if it's plausible, mm. um, he is. Um, his 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 wounds are so bad that yeah. You know, no help seems to be able to be saving him. But you never, you never know. People do recover, I suppose. Yeah, yeah. But uh, it seems. I mean, she says he says a, a real wolf finish a dog off, and um, and she thinks. I uh, thinks herself, or well, maybe some wolves will find you uh, as she leaves. That yeah. that is deeply troubling, isn't it? That's mm. disturbing. <laughs> I think even more so with Aya is the next bit. She goes to a, she gets to a port. And she wants to sell her horse so she can get some money to pay for passage to somewhere else. And um, this woman tries to che- well offers her a rubbish price for the horse. Mm. And her her thought process is, right, this is a rubbish price. I know it's a rubbish price. Now there are loads of other people around, so I can't kill her. So I'm going to have to just sell it anyway. And it's just how offhand she thinks about killing people now. Yeah, and that's the only option she goes with as well. Not I'll walk away from the deal and find somebody else. Just it's either <laughs> yeah. accept the bad deal, accept the bad situation in front of me, or resolve it by killing people. What? Mm. In the end, she doesn't need any money because uh, she gets on this boat and says, "I don't have any money, but I have this coin." <gasps> Gives the old um, coin which she got from Jack and Hagar to the to the captain mm. and says, "Vala Mogulis," and the captain is all on board of it is like oh right yeah Vala Dolores and says right you'll have a nice bed let's get you back to let's get you back to wherever you're going I I really want to know what Arya what what kind of Freemasonry that she's kind of got herself into here do you know what I mean because it is that secret handshake little coin cross your arms over your chest all of that and um, and I wonder if this is going to end up screwing her in the end um, but right now, uh, it's fantastic. It's just another way for Arya to continue to succeed. Although, I have to say, again, can she please meet up with some other major characters and stop just wandering around the place to no discernible purpose? <laughs> this is really starting to... Uh, no, really starting to. This has been getting on my tits for a book and a half. <laughs> well, she's off. Do you have any idea where she's off to? Does she say? Um, I can't remember. She. Hang on a second. Um... It says it's from Bravos, which is how she knows how to do the thing. It says she wants to go north ah, to the okay. Wall, wants to go to Eastwatch, so she can hook up with mm-hmm. John. Yeah. Um, oh no! And then he says, "No, we're not doing it. We bend our claws, our oars for home, and suggest you do the same." And they're going back mm. to Bravos. So, to Bravos, he's going to Bravos. I don't think there are many characters we know over there, so your hope of her meeting another main character might be quite slow on the ground there. Oh, dearie me. Bloody hell. All right, fair enough. Okay, I'll go with it, George. <laughs> George, I'll go with it. <laughs> okay. Well, that's that, that's us done for, for this for this week, and all that is left now is the, the remainder of the book. So if you're reading along with us, read from the next chapter, which is about Sam. Let's just say it one more time for laughs. Uh, the chapter begins, he sucks harder than mine. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> Sorry. Read to the end of the book, regardless of which version of the book you've got. Read to the end of it. That's all you need to know. <laughs> um, 
The other thing to say, if you've got any comments on the book or the podcast, uh, you all you need to do is email sharkliveroilpodcast at gmail.com. That's sharkliveroilpodcast at gmail.com. Or you can get in touch via Twitter at sharkliveroil. Or we're on Facebook. Just search for Shark Liver Oil Podcast. Gosh. Dave. Matt. It is time. Time. <laughs> What's the time for? We'll see you next time. All right. See you later. <laughs> Lovely.